welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. Oh, it's a, it's a beautiful day. We got style icon, Detroit Pistons beat writer, just legend of the game, one of the best beat writers in all of the country. It's James Edwards from over at The Athletic. James, how you doing, man? Award-winning beat writer, man. Congratulations. I appreciate it, man. Always glad to be on with you. Always good to, to talk with you. Um, yeah, it's, it's been good getting through the season. It's been a a little more fun covering the team last month or so. Um, but the NBA in general is, has been a lot of fun this season, despite the craziness of COVID and all that stuff, but it's been good. I've enjoyed it. Love following along with what you're doing. I'm very excited for this draft class in a weird way. Um, (laughs) and your part to blame. So thank you for having me on. That makes one of us, James, because <laughs> I've been talking about this draft class for a long time, and uh, it's, it's it's getting tough. Getting tough yeah. to find new angles, even though we don't know who half of the first round picks are going to be this year. Right. I'm just <laughs> it's super interesting, and I think I mean we'll me and you will eventually talk about it as we do every year, many times, uh, <laughs> given who I cover. But yeah, no, it's it's an interesting class for many reasons. Yeah, today. I wanted to have James on to do the all-star discussion. So we are going to talk about the all-star starters that were named last night on TNT. We are going to talk about who our choices would be for the all-star reserves. Uh, I like don't know if James feels the same way I do, but the Eastern Conference was an absolute bloodbath. The Western Conference, I got down to like eight names for seven guys. Like I felt pretty good about where yep. I was at in the West. Uh, the East... I am going to like hand ring myself into picks that like I still I, honestly, as we're talking, like I still don't necessarily have it completely locked down who my picks are going to be as we get ready to talk about the Eastern yeah, Conference. No, same here. It's a mess. Yeah, there's too many guys. OK, uh, but first I want to start on some just random NBA trade news and notes that have come across in the last 48 hours since I last recorded and. Just today, in the time over here in Australia where I was asleep, Adrian Wojnarowski from over at ESPN has reported that the Kings have bowed out of the Ben Simmons deal in negotiations in order to essentially explore other options uh, in order to change their team. Because, uh, look, James, I don't know how much you get a chance to watch the Kings, but I'm not sure there's been a team in need of a roster shakeup uh, more in the last like four years, it, it's crazy. This team like desperately needs to like do something just to change the vibes, change everything around the team. And uh, if Daryl Morey is going to continue to hand ring and do this, I, I get it. If I'm the Kings, like I think it makes sense for them to just kind of move on and hopefully be able to get back in once this uh, trade deadline gets closer and closer. Given the way that. Um, these negotiations often become public and the way right. the prices can tend to drop. And uh, as we get to the deadline, things can um, things can change. But for now, the Kings are out of the Ben Simmons deal. What are your thoughts originally as we uh, jump into this? Like you said at the top of the, the segment, if any team needs a shocking or major roster shakeup, it is the Kings. I agree. So when we're, all this talk was coming out of – who was going to trade for Ben Simmons realistically. Like we see team names and reports and we 
those of us on the end like know who's who's real and who's not i thought the kings obviously were real and it is legitimate and that was one of the teams i did like because i that like you said like the kings have been stale for many years but it's been different iterations of stale with different players in this group specifically um it needs to be they need to be shaken up and i don't know i don't know how else you would get a major shakeup without going all in on a guy like Ben Simmons. I think that they have the pieces to do individual trades or like maybe two or three trades. You could do like if you wanted to trade De'Aaron Fox and uh, Rashawn Holmes to get something nice, you might be able to if you wanted to trade Buddy separately, Harrison. So like you could probably get some nice stuff, but is it enough stuff that you're on square two instead of square one? Like I think Ben Simmons in kind of resetting and maybe, of course, maybe being bad this year, but resetting and getting a cornerstone like that was was intriguing to me um so but I also understand the king's point like you don't want to get you don't want to get a get pulled a fast one on you and um based on what we've heard about what Maury wants for Ben Simmons I don't know if I personally would give up all of that and I'd rather wait it out and maybe see if you can get something less or get him for less the, the interesting part about all of this for the kings is Tyrese Halliburton has kind of passed De'Aaron Fox in my mind. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has not had his best year. I think it's reasonable to assume that he will play better at some point. Tyrese Halliburton over the last like two months has been amazing. He's averaging like 17 points, nine assists, like a couple of steals a game. He rebounds reasonably well. He's starting to knock down pull-up jumpers. To me, he's the guy that you build around. I'm doing everything I can to make him the best player he can be. Yep. Trading for Ben Simmons is an interesting player for Tyrese Halliburton, given that Tyrese is a bigger point guard. He can handle the ball, but I also think I want like a secondary ball handler next to him in some respect, because he's not like the most dynamic player in the NBA with the ball in his hands. He's an incredible decision maker. He's an incredible passer, incredible feel for the game. He's become a really high-level pull-up shooter. Just in terms of his shit off the bounce, I don't think he's like the most amazing guy that you'll find in the league. Nope, ben Simmons, I, I think, could help that. Yeah. The thing is that you can't have Ben Simmons and De'Aaron Fox, I don't think. I no, think that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, that's gross. That's gross to me. Uh, I, and if I were the Kings, like you said, De'Aaron just has not been – good this year and i i don't think i think that could be part of the uh situation going on in sacramento maybe it is uninspiring and whatever x y and z but yeah just a simmons and deer and fox i just don't know where that gets you and i agree that halliburton that's kind of why i left him off when i said the guys that could do so individual piece for i think that's the guy you build around now because one um like you said he's just made major improvements i think he's exceeded we all kind of like we all liked him coming in the draft but i i kind of just thought he would be what he showed as a rookie, I was like, I could see him just doing that for 10 years and be a really good player, but he's taking it to another level. Um, and I think he's one of those – well, he is one of those guys where can play on the ball, off the ball, and obviously much better than Fox, and you you can just build around that much easier. It's similar, obviously, situation in Detroit with Cade. Like, when you get a guy like that, um, the flexibility in terms of roster building just is enormous. So um, – Halliburton, I agree, is the one untouchable if I were the Kings. Of course, unless something crazy comes up, but um, especially in a Ben Simmons trade, I wouldn't give up Halliburton. That's the guy I would 
pushing forward, that's the guy I would want to keep around if I can. And if I was Daryl Morey, I don't know how interested I would be in De'Aaron Fox as a fit with Joel Embiid. Because so much of what De'Aaron Fox does is based off speed, transition. De'Aaron plays hard defensively. He's not an awesome defender at this point. I I would need a good amount more, I guess, in addition to De'Aaron Fox to move Ben Simmons for him. And I don't know if the Kings will want to do that. Uh, It's a weird... Finding something that makes sense for Sacramento for Ben Simmons has always been a little bit tricky for me. You can find iterations that make a lot of sense for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Halliburton, Heald, Harrison Barnes, all those guys can really help. But if you're moving Halliburton and you're pairing Ben Simmons with De'Aaron Fox, it doesn't make a ton of sense. If you're pairing De'Aaron Fox with Joel Embiid, it doesn't make a crazy amount of sense to me. Yep. So I understand the idea of just wanting to get the best talent that you can. And Monty McNair comes from the Daryl Morey, Houston Rockets tree. Um, yeah, I understand the idea that he might want to go down that road of just getting the guys in that you want, and then you can build the roster around them in the way that you see fit. Whenever you have core pieces, I think, that don't fit quite as well together, I think that that idea becomes a bit more challenging. Um, yeah, I understand the Kings bowing out, and I'll be interested to see what the Kings do because, good Lord, again, please, Sacramento, <laughs> do, make a trade. Do like, something. Do, you're driving Alvin Gentry to drink. Like, yeah. please. <laughs> Please he's too nice a of a guy. I don't want. To, I don't like seeing Gentry stressed out. He's like the nicest guy in the league. Uh, yeah, one of uh, seriously, the first time I ever met Alvin Gentry was probably three years ago at mm-hmm. um, at the NBA Draft Combine, and you know I I, I was just ran into him in the like one of the hotel lobbies where the yeah. NBA teams are staying and everything, and um, you just kind of run into people down there, and he knew exactly who I was. Couldn't have been the nice, like, couldn't That's have been cool. a nicer person in the world. Just like such a good, such a good dude. Um, and yeah. you're driving that man to drink. Like, please, <laughs> please do something for the love Stop of God. Stop it, goddamn it, Sacramento. <laughs> Stop it. Stop making such a yeah. nice man uh, struggle through uh, what you're putting him through. Okay. Uh, the can, second, I ask, can, can I ask you yeah, something? Yeah, on your, so we mentioned off the pod, we're going to maybe mention Jeremy and obviously Sacramento is a place that they could shift their Jeremy attention Grant. to yeah. Jeremy Grant. If you're Detroit, who wants, what's a, what deal would you like on set from Sacramento? If there is one, if you could get, so I'm in tr- part of me is like, so my answer I think is I, I don't love it. Yeah. I, uh, Given the way that this draft sets up at the top, it's hard for me to find. It's hard for me to find a move. Like I think there's an there's a real nugget of an idea behind Rashawn Holmes and Jeremy Grant. Uh The problem is the Kings don't have any bigs behind Rashawn Holmes, so they're gonna have to bring a big man back. Right. I don't think I'd want to move Isaiah Stewart and Jeremy Grant. To get no. Rashawn Holmes, like yeah. I, I don't, I mean, like I don't think I'd want to move. I don't think I would want Buddy Healed really if I was Detroit. Right. Um, even though like his shooting would fit next to Cade Cunningham, it actually would really help them. I guess maybe yeah. I, maybe that's not terrible. For it would years. help them, but it's like, do they want to be helped right now? 
Yeah, and his deal's pretty big. Like it's two years yeah. for thirty-eight million, and Buddy's in the midst of the worst season of his career uh, in Sacramento yeah. so far. Um, I don't know if I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, like the idea of Rashawn Holmes and having like an incredible rim runner uh, and mm-hmm. roll man and like short roll man for Cade Cunningham is really really interesting to me. And yeah. there's like a nugget of an idea there in terms of Jeremy Grant for Sean Holmes. I just don't know that I can come up with like the structure of it that makes sense, I guess. No, I agree. That, that's kind of where I was at. Obviously, Halliburton is a no. Uh, De'Aaron just doesn't fit. And that's probably too much for Jeremy. And um, yeah, you look at Rashawn, fits a need. The Pistons, could you, is Isaiah Stewart still improving? They could use a rim running athletic big man that's one thing that's kind of lacking on the roster so yeah i feel like if there is something to be there which uh like you i don't think there will be i think holmes will be involved maybe like a future f- i can see them going for holmes or like a future f- i don't know it's a it's a weird fit i don't i don't i don't see anything materializing with sacramento sneaky not for grant at least the problem is i think that i personally would rather have Rashawn holmes than jeremy grant Fair. if i was detroit I would bet you that both teams feel the opposite way in regard yeah. to that, which would mean like a difficult negotiation. I would for sure. I, I um, the other funny trade report that came out was from Mark Stein, I believe. Uh, he said that uh, the Pacers are looking for two first round picks from Karis LeVert. So if that's the case, Karis LeVert's not getting traded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for seven figures from the Athletics. It's not. Yeah, you can ask. Like, I guess you can ask, but like, what are, I mean, look, Karis is a good player. Like, I really actually am higher on Karis than I think yeah. most people are. I like um, Karis a lot. Yeah, really good pick and roll creator, really good isolation creator that I think actually scales up in the playoffs a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. despite the shooting, because you really have to account for him at all times on the court. Uh, his playoff record with the Nets was really strong, actually. Um, you go back and you look at like the series he played there, it was pretty good. The problem is that he's two years left at $17 million, and I don't think that contract is terrible. Right. But who, who's your market for Karis LeVert? The Lakers, the more I think about it, they probably can't do it because he's not a good enough shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cavs, I think the Cavs are a reasonable one, but the Cavs aren't giving up two future firsts because their window is extended, right? Yep. You might be able to get Colin Sexton. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that that's interesting, but... For Levert, I don't think you're getting two first-round picks in Cleveland. I don't think that there's salary matching that can happen in Milwaukee or in Brooklyn. Um, I mean, like, it's Is funny. It, I would to, like to Memphis. Run. Memphis makes sense, but I don't know that he fits what Memphis does. Like, I've been trying to find a way to get, like, a Memphis upgrade. Yeah. You could maybe that, make a, a fair case point. for that. Yeah. That's a like, fair point. But the, the name that I keep coming up with for Memphis is Eric Gordon. Um like, I like, I like yeah, I like the idea of getting another good defender in there who's tough, who's physical, big body, um, can also really knock down shots, which is something that's important to them. They yeah. can do something like one of those three first round picks they have this year, Kyle Anderson and the Jarrett Culver contract, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and get Eric Gordon. I think that would actually be a pretty good deal for everyone involved. Um, but... Yeah, if, Harris LeVert if, for two first round picks ain't gonna happen, Indiana. No. <laughs> if if Indy comes down on that price, what do you think about something center centered around and I'm just this kind of just came off as we were talking about, I hadn't really thought about it all the way through yet, but 
a Kevin Herter Levert swap in some way? Are you a fan or no? It'd be it'd be too tricky because Herter has the um has the poison pill right now because he's oh, does he? oh, in right. October. The only right. move that you can really involve Herter in, uh, if you are Atlanta, is the Ben Simmons deal if you attach Tobias Harris to Ben Simmons. Okay. Because the numbers get so big at that point in terms of yeah. the salary that you're moving, like you're moving like literally $65, 70000000 million each way. Right. Right. That the poison pill in terms of like the 125% rule with trades mm-hmm. becomes much more manageable at that point. Okay. Okay. But in like a normal trade, it's going to be too tough to yeah. move Herder because he counts for like $4 million, um for the team that's trading him and then like. I think it's like 16 million or something for the team that is acquiring him. It's, okay. it's a complicated. I forgot about the poison pill that thing. he had. So yeah, yeah, that is, that's off the table. All right. Well, I was spitballing. Um, yeah. Yes. I like um, Eric Gordon in Memphis though. Yeah. I've, I've been here in Cleveland, but I like Memphis more. I like Eric Gordon in Cleveland too. I mean, yeah. it, the problem is again, if you're Cleveland, I would be 10% worried. I wouldn't be like fully worried. I'd be like a little bit worried. I, I would really need to protect that pick. If I was sending yeah. it to Houston, <laughs> yeah. Um, because if I was Houston, what I'd be asking for for Eric Gordon, honestly, is like a future first round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be looking for a 2023 pick as opposed to a 2022 pick because I think this draft is kind of a mess right now. Yeah. And if you're Cleveland and you're moving a future pick, I would be just a little bit worried that they're playing above their weight just a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. And. Even if they revert, like we've seen Atlanta revert this year. Uh, we've seen the Suns in the past. Like the team yep. that always stands out in my mind with this is like the Jeff Hornacek Suns that won like 49 games and missed the playoffs. And they then, were the 10th seed or something like that, right? They were, yeah, the 10th seed. And then they um, reverted back to like a 31 team after that. Yeah. I think Cleveland's on the rise. I think that Evan Mobley's awesome and it's probably going to stop them from having that happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't, I would really want to protect any future pick. That I said I'm with you. on Cleveland, I would say. But I, I don't mind the Eric Gordon fit there. I think that's a reasonable one. Okay, we've gone for 18 minutes on trades. Let's uh <laughs> let's go and move into the All-Stars because we wanted to do that. All-Star starters were named last night. In the West, we've got Stephen Curry, John Morant, Nikola Jokic, um, LeBron James, and Andrew Wiggins. In the East, we've got DeMar DeRozan and Trey Young. We've got Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid. James voted on All Star yes. starters as part of the media. Um, how similar did that look to yours? Um, everybody in the West, except Wiggins, obviously. I had Gobert, um, and then in the East, which was obviously tough, um, I had Fred VanVleet over Trey. I did. I I know Trey. I know Trey is um, obviously having a phenomenal offensive season. The All-Star game, people don't care about two-way guards, those little bulldogs <laughs> like Fred Van Vliet, so I get that. But um, And while the Hawks have played better as of late, I, I just didn't really want to reward Trey, who doesn't even try defensively. So that's like the basketball nerd in me coming out. Like I know people don't give a damn for the All-Star game, but like Fred has been so good offensively, so good defensively. Pascal Siakam was missing for like a good part of the season. He he's kind of just come around as of late. That Raptors team isn't as good as I 
as the record is to me, I, like I like them, but I feel like they're they're still like a guy away. So for them to be in the position they're in, I just really wanted to reward Fred. Um, and then obviously Wiggins is, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but the, got the nation behind him of the nation of Canada and, and everybody hates Rudy uh, Gobert. Yeah. And apparently some K-pop, uh, yeah, stars. The, I, yeah. Shout out thing. to Anthony Slater with the K-pop story. And yeah, yeah everybody hates Rudy Gobert. So he was the one to benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, the players had Rudy Gobert relatively low as well. Yep. So, look, (laughs) let's, um, I I think that the West was fine. Like, I probably would have gone John Morant over Devin Booker. Devin Booker would have been number three for me um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the front court. The front court in the West is weird this year just because there have been so many injuries. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Draymond Green missed some time. Yeah. Anthony I, Davis. Anthony Davis as well. I personally would have picked Draymond Green, but that's not a surprise to listeners of the show. Uh, yeah, I, I thought about it. Draymond Green is like, you know, the best. I, I love Draymond Green unconditionally. Same. Um, in the East, I probably would have gone Trey and Damar, and I would have gone with all three of those guys. So, like, I, I don't really have a lot of complaints in terms oh. of – the all-star starters. I also don't really care that Andrew Wade <laughs> yeah. is an all-star. I don't. I don't like, either. It's look, Andrew Wiggins has had a very strange career. And going back to being called Maple Jordan, he was like the number one recruit in the country. He was like the next LeBron, everything mm-hmm. like that. And it seems like just given his personality, he's like a pretty quiet guy, pretty reserved. Uh, that That's not something he asked for, right? Mm-hmm. So for him to go from like essentially like pariah in Minnesota where everyone hated his contract, seemed like people were mostly done with him, to reframe the narrative of his career in Golden State and become a guy that I think people are like good with watching and he's become yeah. a successful part of a really good team. I like it. Like, I like the story. Same. I'm, I'm not going to make a case that he should be an all-star. I'm not going to, like, make a case based off of basketball, right? Right. But it's it's an all-star game, and it's Andrew Wiggins, and I'm just not going to get too up in arms about the whole thing, I guess. Like, congrats. To, I, I would rather be congratulatory toward Andrew Wiggins than, like, parse and hem and haw about, yep. uh, you know, the whole experience of voting. I agree. Like you said, it's the all-star game. Who who really cares? It's the fans. It's a game for the fans, and the fans spoke. Whether or not that's uh, due to it, him being from a country that obviously wanted to get him in, great. That's mm-hmm. fine. That's what happened. Um, he's been really good this year. First, I think that's like buried the lead. Yeah. Like He's been really good this year, as you he's mentioned. He's probably being part- been a top 25 player in the West, something yep. like that. For sure. Like, I don't think if he would have made the all-star game just in general, not even a starter, like I wouldn't have batted an eye because he's been fine. He's like you said, he's been one of the best 25 guys in the the West. Um, And like, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't to me, like, does he deserve to start based on performance? No. But like, does he deserve to be an all-star? Yeah, you can make a case that he's an all-star. Like, I wouldn't if somebody really wanted to fight for it, uh, 
I I would I wouldn't bad an eye. Like he's been good this year. Yeah, he's a really good defender. I mean, you watch him last night. I mean, like yeah. he was defending his balls off, and like he can actually shoot now. Like he's a really useful player. Mm-hmm. I'm just like you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make Casey's like a you know phenomenal player who's you know among you know one of the five best players in the Western Conference. But I'm just not gonna you know not gonna complain that he's in the All Star game and we need a referendum on how we. <laughs> Uh, you know, pick the all-star starters. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Just not going to, not going to dive into that world here. Uh, I understand if people want to do it, but I'm not going to do it. It's a, um, it's a half-ass, it's a half-ass process for a, a half-ass game. It's, it's all entertainment. Yeah. Right. Like if you really want, if you really wanted to do it, I mean, I, I'm sure you saw some player votes. Like we had Nemius Keda, we had, um, Kelvin Corey Johnson Joseph. had like 11 votes. Corey Joseph had votes. Like, um, you know, Jonathan Kaminga got a vote. Like, it's yep. just as much as it's fans um, mm-hmm. that picked Andrew Wiggins. The players also played a significant role in this as well. Uh, you know, the media played a significant role in this. Like, it's, yep. I, I don't have a problem with involving everyone in the process. Do I wish that players would take it more seriously and like, uh, you know, uh, people like Nimi Cato wouldn't get a vote? Yeah, right. I do. And, and like, the, honestly, there were probably like 100 votes that were like pretty indefensible for yep. what the purpose of this was. But like, whatever. It's, it's an all-star game. Like, let's just and then go That's like it. content in itself. <laughs> like, people love seeing who the random player is that guy. I don't know. It's just all – this whole all-star experience is, is content-driven. And as long as it's not goofy come all NBA time, I'm fine with it. Right. So, Andrew Wiggins, just for reference here, he's averaging 18 points, four rebounds, two assists per game. He's shooting 48% from the field, 41% from three. Uh, he's played really, really high-level defense. I wouldn't quite say he's like an all-defense team guy, but I would say that – you know, he has been a very positive defender on what has been the best defensive team in the NBA this season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, look, good player. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to like sit here and parse with it. OK, uh, let's take a quick commercial break and we will get into our all star reserve starting with the Eastern Conference, which what a bloodbath. What an absolute <laughs> bloodbath. Okay, we're back, and we are going to dive into our picks for Eastern Conference reserves for the All-Star game. I have eight names here because, per Chris Haynes last night, it seems unlikely that Kevin Durant is going to play in the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's currently dealing with an injury right now, and we'll see how it goes, obviously. like Maybe he'll play, maybe he won't. So I've got a list of eight names here. Two guards, three front court guys, and three wild cards. In the West, I have two back court, three front court, two wild cards because currently nobody's injured. And doesn't look like anyone is going to miss time. Knock on wood that you know nobody's going to miss time. So, okay, I want to start by in the East by going through guys that I just like no question put on the team. I had no. No real questions about Zach Levine. 
Nope. Uh, Zach Levine is averaging 25 points, five rebounds, four assists. He's shooting 49, 40, 87 from the field. He's been just a very small step below DeMar DeRozan, who is mm-hmm. a rightful all-star starter. The Bulls have been one of the best stories of the NBA season so far. They've been one of the best teams uh, in the Eastern Conference so far. I think Zach Levine is a no-doubter, no-brainer all-star. Uh, any Any thoughts there? I'm with you. Uh, if it wasn't, if I didn't vote FVV, uh, Levine would have been number was my number two. So I think I think he should be a starter. He's starter worthy more than Trey in my eyes. But I yeah, I digress. So I'm with you on that. Okay. Next up, I have Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is averaging 21 six and six. He is the best player on the best team in the East. Uh, he missed a. About 15 games early in the season. And I think that that is a big part of the reason why he was unable to even enter the starter conversation, really. But I think he is, given his defensive ability, given his shot making, given how he's just kind of the identity of the best team in the East. And also that he's been able to carry Miami on this run here lately while Bam Adebayo has missed some time throughout the course of the season, he's a no-brainer all-star to me, and he will be in the front court. Agreed. Um, like you said, best player on best team. The way he's been playing lately, um, even w- beginning of the season, just when he missed all those, ga- just because he missed all his games, like he, we should probably have Jimmy Butler MVP conversations. I don't think he'll win it, but he should be in the discussion, um, especially with how he's been performing as of late. He's no-brainer. Um, I felt bad leaving somebody, well, him uh, off the starter. I usually like to have somebody from the best team, but he missed way, he missed, missed too many games. Uh, but yeah, he's been a monster. He's been he's been Jimmy. The last guy here that I have as a no doubter is James Harden, and I thought about putting him into this next bucket of players who's like kind of competing for. Um, essentially four spots, right? Five spots counting Kevin Durant. But you look at what he's done over the course of essentially since the calendar turned. I mean, he's basically back to being James Harden. Like he's averaging 26, 11 and eight. <laughs> he's shooting yeah. 44 from the field, 34 from three and 85 from the line. He's been a bit less efficient than what he typically is. But like, I, I feel like James Harden is, it, it's hard to get past, 26, 11, and 8 uh, over the course of essentially you know half the season if you want to push it back uh, and include the previous games before that. So uh, it's it, to me, James Harden probably has to be on the team, even though I have some reservations in a way that I typically don't with James Harden. That, I'm glad you said that last part because I was actually talking with Vinny Goodwill when we were just discussing our ballots, and we both were just kind of over. Harden just based on how he started the year and just really half-assing it like it was bad like there's no other ways like the he it was just really bad and um I didn't want to reward that personally on my ballot um but he has played very well as of late I think he should be a reserve um but if you were talking about your wild card group I would probably have him more in the wild card group yeah. Than a lock reserve, just because I thought he was—he was just so bad for the first month, month and a half. Okay, so my my next group here, we have 
essentially five spots remaining, including the Duran injury. I've got, at the guard position, Fred Van Vliet, Darius Garland, LaMelo Ball, Bradley Beal. In the forward positions, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, Miles Bridges, Demonis Sabonis, Jarrett Allen, Chris Middleton. It's a it's a joke. I mean, it, it's yeah. honestly a joke. Like that they, team might beat the starters. <laughs> it's in, it's insane. They're yeah. so good. Like they yeah. they are. Th- this this is like an absolute bloodbath. To have to pick five guys of that group is exceptionally difficult. Super. Um, the the first guy for me. Yeah, was, was the guy who was a starter for you, Fred VanVleet. I okay. wanted to reward Fred VanVleet. He's been one of the best defensive guards in the NBA this season, in addition to being one of the best lead guard uh, scorers, creators in the NBA. To me, so the, the conversation that I've seen has centered often around Darius Garland and Fred VanVleet. People look yeah. at Darius Garland's passing and try to make a case for him over Fred based off of that. The level to which Fred is a better defender than Darius Garland just kind of supersedes <laughs> all of this. Like, yes, Darius is a slightly better passer than Fred Van Vliet is. Fred is one of the like seven or eight best guard defenders in the NBA, and Darius Garland is a below average defender. So, yeah. I have Fred Van Vliet over Darius Garland. I have Fred Van Vliet locked into one of my wild card slots. I would imagine that you don't really have a uh, you, you don't have a argument with that, given that you voted Fred Van Vliet as a starter. Nope, I love it. I I think he deserves playing nearly forty minutes a night, having his most efficient season. Like you said, one of the best defenders and guard. I mean, and guard defenders in the league. No, no beef at all. I, I was hoping Fred got the starter spot. Okay, Let, let's go to the forward spots because this is where I really struggled. We've got Tatum, we've got Jared Allen, Demonis Sabonis, Pascal Siakam, Jalen Brown, Miles Bridges, Chris Middleton. It, it's a big group. Yeah, the top guy for me. On that list was Jason Tatum. I have him. I know he's not having the most efficient year, but he's been pretty good defensively. The Celtics, he's averaging 26 points a game, eight and a half rebounds, four assists. Mm -hmm. I would still like to see him move the ball a little bit better. I would still like to see him be a bit more efficient. Here's the thing. We've complained about how bad the Celtics are throughout the course of the season (laughs) and how frustrating they've been to watch. Celtics outscore opponents by nine points per 100 possessions when Jason Tatum is out there. Jason Tatum is the last part of the problem for the Celtics. Yep. I have Jason Tatum as my number two forward um, behind Jimmy Baller uh, in these in this uh, discussion. I'm with you. I Like you said, um, that's why I hate doing a pot with you because you're so damn smart. Like I feel like I'm just recycling what you're saying, but – well, yeah, like he's he's the last problem on the Celtics, and he's he's been putting up good good numbers. Uh, again, I think a lot of people like to say part of the Celtics' problem, and they give it maybe a little, they bold it a little bit more than it should be, but it is a problem is the lack of ball movement between the two stars and uh, creating for others. But I mean, it's not the greatest roster. Um, they're still figuring things out. Tatum's a monster. I, I, I just. Like you said, with a Harden, you kind of just look at that statistical threshold 
it's kind of hard to leave that guy off. We're, we're going to get into the, uh, the the take experience here coming up uh, yes. with one of my picks. Don't worry. <laughs> yes. uh, I really want to get, not just because the game is in Cleveland, but I think that you need a representative from the Cavs. In some regard, this team is good for a reason. They are 30-19 and 19 so far this year at time of recording. Uh-huh. They are one of the best defenses in the NBA. Uh, none of this is fluky. Like, they've played the sixth hardest schedule in the NBA. They're outscoring their opponents by a, a good margin. Like, nothing that they've done is fluky. So, trying to find the middle ground between all of the disparate pieces with the Cavs is hard. Because... Darius Garland is what keeps them afloat on offense. He's like the biggest reason that they are able to uh, take advantage of their defense. Yep. I think Evan Mobley is the most important defender on their team because he unlocks their three big lineup that takes, uh, you know, so much uh, space up on the court essentially yep. and makes it harder for opposing teams to get into their sets, to score in the uh, paint, to do everything. Mm-hmm. I think both of those guys are players that I had like real internal discussions on. My pick ended up being Jared Allen. Um, <laughs> I knew that was coming. I like that. I thought that he represented the middle ground between Darius Garland and Evan Mobley really well. Great point. And you look at how effective he is offensively as a scorer. He is, uh, Averaging 16 points, 11 rebounds. He's shooting 69% from the field. Uh, I've long been like a skeptic of Jarrett Allen's actual value defensively up until this year. The Mm -hmm. Cavs have unlocked his ability to protect the rim. They've unlocked his length at the basket. He has been phenomenal around the basket this season. The question between Jarrett Allen and Damanis Sabonis will come up, right? Because Demonis yeah. Sabonis is averaging, I think, 19 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. So the counting stats favor Demonis Sabonis. Mm-hmm. When you watch Indiana, it feels like to me there's like this weird push-pull between Rick Carlisle like running what he wants to eventually implement and like trying to utilize some of the stuff that has made Demonis Sabonis so good over the years, like running dribble handoffs away from the basket and, you know, doing some like mid posty stuff. Like it's, it, it feels like they haven't totally unlocked him yet. No. And while the numbers are very good, I don't feel like his impact is quite as felt for me for some reason this year. Uh, when I watch the Pacers. Look, they're, they're not very good either. Like right. part of that could be that reason, right? They're 17 and 32 at time of recording this podcast. So like yeah. part of me doesn't want to reward a team that's, you know, 17, 32. And I know that like the Pacers, a lot of it's just been close games, but like it's also when I watch them, like it just doesn't feel like Sabonis is having quite as good of a year as he has the last couple of years. I agree. And I think what you said, the caveat of, the impact and like yes the numbers are really good um but like you have to watch the pacers to kind of understand it's like 
it, 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 I struggle to put it into words. Like, if anybody hasn't watched the Pacers and are like wondering, looking at someone, like, how is Sabonis not an all star? Like, if you watch, there's not the fear of God. It, no, he doesn't put the fear of God in anybody. Um, he, he puts up good numbers, but I don't think an opposing big man is going in there afraid to guard Sabonis. I don't think they're afraid to take it to Sabonis on the other end. He's, they're working out kinks. That, that roster is, We've talked about it for, I mean, it feels like years now. Like, the roster is just weird. Um, Carlisle himself is trying to figure out the best way to use Sabonis. Seems like naturally he wants him to step out and shoot some more threes. Sabonis is kind of reluctant to do it. Um, it's it's a mess. And, and this is not to discredit Sabonis' development and where he is as a player. Like, I still classify him as an all-star level player. But his impact just has not been the same this year. It just... I don't know. When well, I think it, of All Star, I think of yeah. th- does this person put the fear into somebody also? Like, and I just Sabonis doesn't just seem like a fearful guy this year. Yeah, and look, like we're comparing him to Jared Allen. I don't know that Jared Allen puts the fear in people, but I think he probably does defensively to some extent. Yeah. Whenever that's what I, that's where my yeah drive onto the interior. Um, the Pacers are about the same offensively right now, whether Demonis Sabonis is off the court or whether he's on the court. Um, they're better defensively when he's on the court right now because they just hemorrhage offensive rebounds whenever mm-hmm. he's off the court. Um, like it's staggering how bad their <laughs> rebounding is outside of Domanus Sabonis. And to yeah. some extent, I think that like um, it's worth uh, attributing that value to him. Fair. I just couldn't quite get there with Sabonis. I think that the production from Jarrett Allen and his ability to create space for Darius Garland uh, by being such an impactful roller to the rim, um, it is close enough to Sabonis's value offensively, even though it does not exceed Sabonis's value offensively, to where, mm-hmm. to me, Jarrett Allen, who has been... I, I wouldn't quite have him as an all-defense big man this year, but he's in the conversation. It's damn it close, yeah. all defense, you know, forward this year, all defense center, whatever he's going to be classified as. Um, I think that that exceeds Demonis' value, and that's why I have Jared Allen uh, as an all-star. And plus, it is nice to have someone from Cleveland, given that the game is going to be in Cleveland. Yes. Um, I like the way that you put that. He's the proper middle ground. It's like, I would obviously he's not the most flashy player and he's not a creator with the ball, but I would call Jared Allen a BB on both sides of the B plus B a B a B plus on both sides of the floor, and then I would call like Garland B plus C minus, and then Mobley A minus on defense, and then maybe just like a B minus C plus on offense right now. Like I think that's just a good middle ground. Um, Jared does everything you've asked ask of him at a high level, and I think that's that's important. Um, the one guy I was really hoping, and this is obviously I'm biased with this one in the way he started the year, but he obviously cooled off, but has had some moments since then is Miles Bridges. I thought that would be cool for him to kind of work his way in there. I think he's probably, um, if how many, why am I having a blank? How many total reserves are there so on the, there on the actual team? Seven, and then we're adding a spot because of Kevin Durant. So, yeah. Eight as of, you know, we're going eight. Right now, we've locked in James Harden, Zach Levine, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Fred Van Vliet, and Jared Allen. So that's six. So we have two spots left. We've got two spots for 
Drew Holiday, Darius Garland, LaMelo Ball, Bradley Beal, Miles Bridges, Demonis Sabonis, Chris Middleton, Pascal Siakam, uh, and Jalen Brown. So, <laughs> okay. Um, when I watched the Hornets, I think LaMelo is the more impressive player. Yes. I know that I, I know that Miles' numbers are a little bit better in terms of the counting numbers. I when I watch LaMelo the Hornets, unlocks I'm like, all that. the guy. <laughs> like, yeah, he unlocks he unlocks all that. So to me, LaMelo above Bridges. Um the the next question for me is Darius Garland, Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal, LaMelo. I'm I'm good with another guard there. Mm-hmm. The guy that I have in the spot right now, and I'm willing to be talked out of it, but the guy I have right now is Drew Holiday. That's and, fine with me. I was hoping you didn't say Bradley Beal. Like Bradley to me is like, I don't even want to have him in part of the discussion with the group you named. So like, I think that we're kind of, I, I understand that, but yeah. yeah, I think there's like a little bit of harshness on Beal this year. Uh, you look at what the passing is like, he's, been awesome as a distributor this year compared mm-hmm. to last year like he's been so so good getting them you know playing next to Spencer Dinwiddie often and getting them in and out like I get that the defense is bad but um and he's still averaging 24 a night he's making a more concerted effort to play team basketball this year the Wizards were really good to start the year like and I know that Bradley Beal did not start the year awesomely but like I, I don't know. I, I couldn't get Beal. I still in. love like, him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have Bradley Beal as an all star. But you. you start comparing the numbers next to <laughs> Darius Garland, and they're not far off. Like right. they're actually, you know, there's a pretty real case that you should pick Beal over Darius right. Garland. Right. So that that's kind of why I think you have to throw him in. I would have Lamelo over both of those guys. I ultimately went with Drew Holiday over Lamelo because. Drew Holiday is just such a ridiculous defender. He mm-hmm. is averaging 18 points, five rebounds, six assists, uh, turning the ball over at a very low level. And look, like you just watch Milwaukee, like so much of their identity is obviously Giannis, but like Drew Holiday has slid right into that so, so well. Uh, I, I personally would have him as Milwaukee's second all-star over Chris Middleton. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just, I think that, Drew's been a little bit better offensively this year. Like Chris isn't having his most efficient season shooting from the mid range. And, uh, you know, obviously isn't nearly as impactful defensively as Drew Holiday. So when I watch Milwaukee, I think that Drew is their second best player right now. And then like the defense again versus LaMelo is just like a big difference for me. Um, Yeah. 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 I I went Drew Holiday in this uh, in this other spot here in my second wild card. I like that you actually talked me into it um, as you were going because I would have sounded – I definitely think in my mind and how I tend to vote, um, I like to, as, as I mentioned with my FVV pick, I really like to – if a guy has good enough offensive production, if he's a borderline elite defender, I like to reward that guy just because that's basketball. Like You, you have to pay both sides of the floor. I know it's not glamorous, but – there are guys who do it and do it at a great and high level. Um, so with that said, <laughs> that would contradict my kind of FVV over Trey if I said Drew over – if I said LaMelo over Drew. Um, 
but there's part of me that wanted somebody from Charlotte to be represented because of course I think I think we I think some of us thought like they could be okay but I don't know if we expected where they right now fifth sixth in the east just a, two games back from Milwaukee um so like I I'd like to I tend to want to like have have a mass like have them have a mascot at the Eastern at the uh, All Star game. So that's where I struggle a little bit with not having Lamelo. Uh, but you're correct. I mean, Drew. I mean, we we don't need to say anything about Drew. Like we know what he is. The turnovers this year, like you said, I think that's a great caveat. Like especially with how much he's handling the ball and um, how much he's doing on the defensive end. Like the dude just is a machine. So I agree. I like Drew. Um, and this is our last spot, our joint last spot, right? There's not one more. Uh, I I have a case that I want to make. Uh, go ahead, do it. Pascal Siakam. He's picked it up lately. I think that Pascal Siakam has been one of the 20 best players, maybe 15 best players in the NBA, uh, Mm -hmm. over the course of his last, you know, 20 games. Like since Toronto has went on this run where I think they've won like 15 of their last 25 or so. They've pulled it up to where they've been awesome. Uh, right. And they're back a little bit over. I think they're either 500 or one game over 500. Um, they're sitting in seventh right now in the Eastern Conference. Siakam's the guy. Like yeah. He's averaging over that time. 23 points, nine rebounds, six assists. He's playing plus defense. Like he's kind of like the, the game between him and Fred Van Vliet has been unbelievable. I know mm-hmm. that we have two Raptors on this team, uh, or at least that I would be voting for two Raptors. And that is not necessarily ideal for everyone. Um, the it's options, individual honor. You're right. I mean, you're right. So the, the other option is Jalen Brown, who's averaging 24, seven and three. Shooting 45 from the field, 36 from 30, 78 from the line. Again, playing plus defense, especially on the ball. How many games has he missed? So he's missed about 15. And Siakam has certainly missed some time as well. And at the beginning of the year, Siakam was not incredible. Like (laughs) Jalen Brown's played 33 games. Or uh, Jalen Brown's played 35. Pascal Siakam's played 33. Um Look, it's it, it's tossing. It's tough, man. It's a toss up between these two. I personally go Siakam because the the level that Siakam when he has played at his best over nobody these un, last nobody has reached that of that group we're talking about over these last twenty five games. I don't think anyone among this group has quite been as consistently great as Siakam has been. Agreed. Jalen Brown, I think there's a real case for. I, I would not. If someone wants to pick Jalen Brown, I would get it. If someone wants to pick LaMelo Ball, I would get it. Um, I guess if someone wants to pick Sabonis, like Pascal Siakam versus versus Sabonis, um, Siakam's numbers are just better. He's averaging Mm -hmm. more assists even than Sabonis, which like is kind of part of Sabonis' value, right? And obviously Siakam is playing better defense than Sabonis. Um, Between the two, I don't really think there's a case for Sabonis over Siakam. Miles Bridges, so, it's just kind of fallen off in terms of shooting. If yeah. someone was to pick Chris Middleton, like I, I would get that. I, I wouldn't personally, but I would get that. I would get Jalen Brown. I'd get LaMelo Ball. I can't quite get there on Darius Garland because of the defense. I, I mean, like, who, where are you at on this? 
And again, I might just be a hypocrite right now. I don't care. I do think Charlotte should be rewarded. Okay. Um, and so I'm going to go LaMelo. Okay. I, I agree with you. Of the group we're mentioning, nobody's consistent greatness has reached that of Pascal's. Um, I agree with you that Brown, when healthy, we talked about the two-way player this whole podcast, as excellent of a two-way player as it gets. Um, Garland, the defense is just too bad, but then I'm sitting here picking LaMelo, who I think LaMelo at least has some like instinctual stuff that makes it okay. Um, but I guess, and we, and Drew, I mean, who doesn't love Drew, but I, as much as this is an individual honor, I still tend to just feel bad if like a team that is overachieving in the eyes of some like doesn't isn't represented so i'm gonna go Lamelo. it's kind of the same reason i didn't have trey starting uh because of how even though they've won a bunch in a row or they've won a bunch of their last seven or something like that it, they're just underperformed so I, i'm contradicting myself and not contradicting myself i'm just gonna shut up and pick Lamelo. yeah Lamelo's averaging 19.7 rebounds seven assists he's shooting 42 from the field 36 from three 89 from the line I think there's a real case for Lamella. I, I don't really yeah. have a problem with the pick. Uh, he's been great recently as well. Um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's totally rational, rational, reasonable pick. Rationable. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, no, I think it's fine. Okay. So are you going Pascal? Just I'm to... going Pascal. You're okay. going Lamella. I think that's. Yep. Yeah, I think that's can't go wrong. On this. Um, We're sorry, okay. Drew. Sorry to. Well, no, no, no. no. We got Drew Holiday. In. Oh, we. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so our oh, yeah, final Eastern Conference all-stars here. We got Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant. We've got James Harden and Zach Levine in the backcourt. We've got Jimmy Butler, uh, Jason Tatum, and Jarrett Allen in the front court. We've got Fred Van Vliet and Drew Holiday as our wild cards. And then finally, we have Pascal Siakam replacing Kevin Durant uh, in the lineup. Okay. Love it. The West, we've got John Morant, Stephen Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Nikola Jokic, LeBron James. The guards, I think, are kind of easy. I went the Phoenix backcourt. I went Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Same. Uh, okay. I mean, I felt bad that one of them, I didn't have one of them as a starter, but Jaws just been, I mean, we don't got to say it. We know how crazy Jaws been, but yeah, I, I got both of those guys. And, and by the way, the real fuck up here with the NBA. Just make it like, you know, two front court, two back court, and like a wild card or something. Yes. Like that, like that yep. way you can just get Devin Booker into the starting lineup. Like that's mm-hmm. the easiest way. Or Luka Doncic if you want. Like wh- whoever your pick is here, I- I'd personally pick Devin Booker over Luka Doncic. But like I just do something like that. Like maybe yep. that's the adjustment if you want to do one. Um, okay. I like that idea. In the front court, Luka Doncic. Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert were my three. Same here. No no complaints. Um, I voted for Rudy as a starter. Draymond, my fellow Spartan dog, is, I mean, defensively, like, again, we don't need to talk about how good Draymond is defensively for the best defensive team in the NBA. And who is, and Luca's been, I mean, s- slow start, but that Dallas team is, is really surging. Um, I think they're one of the better defensive teams, too, over the last uh a couple weeks maybe month or something like that uh but i mean luca's just been 
Luca, especially as of late, he's played himself into shape as he tends to do, and he looks just a lot better. And it's a no brainer for me. He's averaging twenty five nine and nine. Like it's <laughs> he's ridiculous, dude. It's hard to get past that. Like it's the same with James Harden in the East, right? Like yeah, it's hard to get past twenty six ten and eight. <laughs> like you, yeah. you can't. Like you can complain about guys playing themselves into shape, but then when they play themselves into shape, they're like fucking god mode. So I mean, <laughs> there are a few better once these once these guys want to start giving a shit. It uh, yeah. there are a few better. Nah, it's it's, it's a tough one. Okay, yeah. um, and then Rudy, yeah, fine. Like I'm good with Rudy. Rudy's been one of the best defensive players in the NBA this year. I had him second on my all defense ballot that I did with Fred Katz a little while ago. Um, you know, 16 points, 15 rebounds, 70% from the field. It's, you know, he's one of the best centers in the league. Yep. And you, I mean, I got to witness kind of firsthand how really bad, I mean, it's not a secret how bad the jazz defense can be when he's not on the floor. Like you, I mean, you were tweeting about that game. Cade just was, had his way just obliterated the, their perimeter defense was atrocious. So, um, yes, they, Rudy, as as people know as much as they dislike him and that's why he's not a starter for for whatever reason um is his impact is it's you can't even deny it. you can't he's a, he's an nba all-star and should be um until we see a blip in his defense which i don't think we're anywhere near seeing uh by the way Kate cunningham over his last 23 games 18 points five rebounds six assists one steal uh, has got the turnover number under control. He's down to three and a half, and he's shooting 45, 41, 83. Kate and I think he's sh- good at basketball. Yes, and I think he's shooting like I got to double check, but it's like mid fifties on pull up threes, like over the last like three weeks, or just something absurd. You, um, you give him that like right to left step back sidestep three, it's like automatic for him. Yes, he's he's, he's a such player. a rhythm player. Yeah, he's fun to. I've I've enjoyed covering him. Yeah. Okay. Great kid, too. Oh, just the nicest, like, but most, like, serious and, like, emotionally intelligent, like, yeah. leader, like, but Raised also, like, well. a good person. Yeah, yeah. No, all of it, all of it across the board. Yep. Okay. Um, my two wild cards for the West. This came down to three spots for me. I considered guys, like, or three for two spots. I considered mm-hmm. guys like DeAndre Ayton and Jaron Jackson. I considered guys like Kristaps. I considered Paul George, who was missed a lot of time this year. Um, The the pool of players to consider this year is just much lower. Mm -hmm. It's just very, very low in terms of like, who do you need to even think about? Like, I guess that we could have thrown Brandon Ingram in here, but like, they're not awesome. Like, they're not very good. And he hasn't been so overridingly good to where I would take him. Yep. Um, if we're going with a player from a not very good team in the West, and there are more like disaster teams in the West than there are in the East. My, I am one of these three for two spots guys that I have is DeJounte Murray. I was hoping that's who you're going to say that we're, we're on. I'm, I think we should lock that one in. You want him in? Yes. Okay. Well, it's, okay. if you're down. I had him my last guy out. I oh, I'm I not mad bad. I get it. I get it. I So the, the other guy worth considering here that I didn't really, like I sort of kind of thought about, but not really, um, was Anthony Edwards. 
Um, mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards is averaging 23 points a game, 45% from field, 37 from three, 80 from the line, five ter- or five rebounds per game, three and a half assists, three turnovers. I, I think that you can make a reasonable case for Anthony Edwards. I think that if you're picking a wild card off of the Timberwolves, you take Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. So I Towns was one of my wild cards. I'm, um, I, I was when you first named off the the list you didn't you hadn't said him so I was like I hope he says him because I was going to say him so I agree I, I think Cat's had a good year I mean he's yeah I mean, we we know how good Cat is I like I like that pick yeah uh, great passing year for Cat uh, obviously just as efficient as he's ever been he's shooting fifty one percent from the field he's shooting forty one percent from three eighty one from the line twenty four and ten like he's been awesome. Chris Finch has really done a great job of kind of unlocking what makes him so good. Uh, you know, to me, like Carl Towns, uh, I'm in on the all-star. The other guy I have is Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is averaging 25 points a game and five assists. And I know that he is not the most efficient guy in the world, but he is, especially this year, as Mike Conley has just been a little bit worse. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell has been tasked with creating a lot more out of ball screens, and he's done so very efficiently. Uh, he is one of the most efficient creators out of ball screens in the NBA this year. Um, I know the defense gives some people some consternation. I get it. The case for Donovan Mitchell is that I, I, over him, him versus DeJounte Murray, I think teams are just more worried about Donovan Mitchell than they are DeJounte Murray. Like, DeJounte does so much of his damage in transition uh, that he's gotten a lot better when the game slows down. And again, he would be my 13th guy. So if someone gets hurt here, knock on wood, hopefully no one does. DeJounte would be my guy that I would add in. Um, And frankly, like DeJounte probably had his spot taken by Andrew Wiggins in the starting lineup. And (laughs) I feel like a little bit bad about that for DeJounte. Yeah. But I think that he is just not as effective or impactful as Donovan Mitchell is in the half court. And that makes him just a bit less of a valuable guy um, no, whenever you're I trying agree. to come up with a you know team like this. I think that is fair. I think some of – and it's I don't know what it is with Utah. I think a lot of it is uh, fatigue as to why – like even me, like I got sucked yeah. up into it. like. Donovan is averaging, he's at that threshold. I think that it's fatigue from them, to be honest. Well, that too. Like, I think the team is a little bit fatigued, don't you? Yep. Yeah, they need need to shake up too. Um, That'd also be a great Jeremy Grant landing spot if they had the stuff to do it. But, um, yeah, I think there's just a little, there is fatigue there. And with Donovan and I feel bad that like I voted for Rudy as a starter. And then I'm like saying, well, does Utah deserve to, I like the newness of the DeJounte Murray. And I'm really, in, I was like, when it comes to reserves, I really, that's like when the fan mode kicks in. Cause I like really enjoy watching DeJounte. I love watching Donovan too, like 25 and the, the stat lines he have are at that threshold. We were talking about the jazz are still a, a good basketball team. Um, so I don't think there's any, like, like you said, he's got to do more, even more. Um, the they've had a weird. 
that roster is weird and this season has been weird for them. Like, I don't really know. I think maybe it is just like they need like some freshness and that would solve it. Like just even like some type of, uh, whether it's Bogdanovich or somebody, um, a deal probably should be done. Um, it, but it made me like feel bad that I didn't, I wasn't like beating the drum for Mitchell. Like he's had a really good year. He has to do more. The Utah Jazz are still a good team. Uh, but I was like, Dejounte Murray's been fun, and she's new, and I voted for Rudy, <laughs> so I felt like I did my due diligence. But you're right; like I wouldn't, no way at all, I would argue with that. And Utah's still like a top, yeah, like, six offense, and he's the one that stirs the drink. Yeah, I guess the like with with Dejounte, like I I love watching him play i think he's a really great defender as well like i think all of that really lines up it's just when i watch the level of basketball yeah it it is it really is like it's it's the difference between a guy that like when the game slows down and it changes like i feel a lot more comfortable with donovan mitchell with the ball in his hands than i do Dejounte murray and that's not a slight on Dejounte. No. He's developing. He's getting better. Like it's his leap this season. I think puts him in the conversation for most improved player in the NBA. Yep. But it's this Utah team. Like we we talk shit about it, and it's they're still thirty and nineteen. Like they still have the <laughs> yeah. third best net rating in the NBA. They beat teams by an average of seven points for one hundred possessions. Right, like. Yep. They're they're a buzzsaw. It's just the problem is that I agree with you. They need an infusion of like new life mm-hmm. to just like kind of change the like shit around the team. It feels like right now. Yeah. And you know, look, it's it's hard to be around the same group of guys. I feel like for as many years now as Utah has had those guys around and had like the same level regular season success and then playoff yeah. failure. Like, I'm sure that that gets frustrating, creates its own set of issues. Like, um, it's different last night, if, there, like, if there was a breakthrough, right? Like, we saw when Portland yeah. Portland snuck and got to the Western Conference Final. Like, things have gone south since then. But, like, there was a little rejuvenation the year after. Like, that was a group that had been together for a while. I, I agree. Like, there, there's some staleness yeah. there. Yeah, and I should mention, too, like, another guy that I looked at was Shea Gilgis-Alexanders. Because I love Shea, right? Yeah. Um, just the efficiency numbers aren't good enough at the end of the day. Like he's just not having a good enough scoring season um, to make up for some of the defensive issues that he also has uh, just in terms of being skinny. Um, Mm -hmm. And look, they're 14 and 33. Like, I don't think we need to reward them for a bad season. So like, you know, I I didn't mention Shea earlier, but I want to make sure that like people know that, you know, he's in the conversation, certainly, Um, you know, I don't think I could quite get Halliburton in the conversation. I don't think I could quite get like any of these Portland guys in the conversation. Um, you know, even though like, look, Damian Lillard's played 29 games and averaged 24 and seven. Right. But I, yeah. he's, you can't get him in there. He's not the same no. guy right now with that ab injury. No. All right. The yeah, West was a little kinda, bit easier. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel the same about Paul George too. Just, and yeah. it's not his fault. It's just the amount of games missed. Yeah, like Paul George would have been like the easy pick for me. It's just right. that, you know, he's played half the season so far. And 
when he played, like he wasn't the most efficient guy. And part of that was because of the amount of like shit that was on his plate. Uh, Mm -hmm. He has to create so much for that Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard, but you know, below average in terms of efficiency this year, um, turnover numbers are actually up for him this year. You know, whenever you play half the games, you basically have to be perfect, I think. And while Paul George has been phenomenal, he hasn't been perfect. Nope. Agreed. Wes much easier. Yeah, Wes was much easier. James, anything else going on? Like, what what do we need to talk about here? Anything else? Ah, man. I don't think so. We've covered, I'm trying to think, anything crazy going on? No? All-stars? People yelling about Wiggins? We talked deadline? I think that's it, it. I think we did. Can I make a? Can I stake? Can I stake a, a a draft take right now? The floor is yours. Benedict will be the best pro. Ooh. When the dust settles. Ooh. Pitch. I'm, Let's I'm, go. I want to hear the. I'm pitch. all in. Let's do it. I'm all in. I don't know why I'm all in, but I just have fun watching the kid play. I do too. What worries me a little bit is like he doesn't have that inherent creativity off the bounce. A lot of it's like straight line. Yeah. jump stop into floaters or like just pulling up from three. Right. Um, yeah. Doesn't he's improved as a passer this year. Doesn't quite have like the passing level yet, but mm-hmm. I, I've seen some stuff I've liked. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to his passing, like I've seen just, I've seen some stuff I've liked, but I agree. It's not all the way there yet. He's very direct with this game. Yeah. Not like you said, not a lot of wiggle. Uh, Almost in a good way, though, like no, in terms of yeah. being direct with this game. Yeah, agreed. I, I, that, I'm gonna, that's ridiculous. I'm going to eat my words. It's like when I said Marshawn Brooks is the next Kobe. Um, everybody's wrong every now and then. Uh, even though I stand by, and somebody tweeted this, somebody tweeted this at me. Uh, uh, I said I had like redug up the Marshawn Brooks take from when I was in college or high school or something. And yes. somebody's like, "Well, Marshawn Brooks is Kobe in China, so you like you weren't totally wrong. He's averaging like 40 over there, right?" Like, here's the thing. For me and you, like, because what, James, you're, what, like 27, something like that? I wish. I'll be 30 in March. Yeah, so I turned 32 in April, right? Okay. People don't understand that, like, people like you and I, we grew up, like, on Twitter. So, yes. like, we have, like, fucking, like, I, I've cleaned out my Twitter history because I yeah. don't like dealing with, like, the fucking bullshit that people will, like, spout back Troll. at you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just like troll, like it's just not good for my mental health, to be honest. Um, but what uh, what ends up happening is that we have these takes from when we're in college, that <laughs> when we were really dumb, yeah. and 100%. people like think that like it stands for anything, and right. you know it's uh, it's tough. It's real. I tough. was eighteen, downing Heineken's. Three yeah, times right. a day in my dorm room when I tweeted Marshawn Brooks is the next Kobe. Oh my god! But everybody loved yeah. Marshawn Brooks. I don't know what happened. I mean, my my favorite Brooks Marshawn Brooks story is like the wrong Brooks getting traded that that's, one time. Do you remember oh, that? So yeah, that was. I'll never forget that because that was during. Was that during summer league? No, was that in season? I can't. I think it was in season. I feel like reason. we were like all the. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yes, I, I will always remember that. That was insane. That was hilarious. <laughs> Miscommunication. Like, were they just on the phone? Yeah, we'll take Brooks, too. Well, we yeah, have two. Like, yeah, Give them the worst one? Here. They Come didn't on specify. How, how, do you, how do you fuck that up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I, mean, need a, like, yeah, I, need, I need a story and, on it, like an oral history of that, that day. 
I kind of do too. Maybe uh, maybe that's a story to write at some point. Okay. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe. James, tell the people what you've got going on in your life. Uh, what do you have on the website? I know you just wrote a really cool story on Isaiah Stewart. I want you to be yes. able to direct people to it. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at JL Edwards III. Uh, if you're a Pistons fan or not, uh, I'm at the on the Pistons tab at the Athletic. Yeah, I just wrote um, story about Isaiah Stewart. Everybody knows about the motor, but like he's a really studious guy as well. Uh, what else have I done? Uh, yeah, just a bunch of random stuff. If you want to read about a fan who went and saw the Pistons play at every road arena, you can do that. If you want to read about trade stuff, you can do that. If you're, I don't know, if you just are bored. Just go ahead and click on the Pistons tab, follow on Twitter. Um, appreciate you for having me, Sam. Of course, James. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast, like I said. We are uh, – I've got a big board up. Uh, I tag-teamed with a bunch of our uh, college writers to talk about the Chris Mack thing at mm-hmm. Louisville, which uh, was a mess, as <laughs> Matt Penny and I talked about last time. Uh, what do I have coming up? I'm starting to work on rookie rankings. I have like a first pass of rankings. Um, I'm starting to work on some of that. And then I should have a trade story uh, with some close friends of this program uh, coming up next week. But until then, and until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.